There are a series of questions I think that we have been asking as humans uh, created by God forever and ever and ever. One of them I dealt with yesterday, if you were here for the memorial service for Al Himmer, I talked about the fact that one of the questions that I believe we've had since the beginning of human history, what happens when we die? And so I spent a little bit of time yesterday at Al Himmer's memorial service just saying, you know, here's the way that our canon, our faith, we who call ourselves Christians in a Judeo-Christian, a Jewish Christian heritage, this is the way we answer that question. So that's one of the big questions in life is what happens when we die? One of the other questions, and there's, there's several of these, but one of the other questions is, who or what is God? And how are we supposed to navigate a relationship with God? And so uh, all the religions have tried to answer that. Who or what is God? And all of the religions, all of the people of faith, have tried to navigate what does it look like to be in relationship with God. Well, once again, we in the Judeo-Christian belief, the Jewish Christian belief that we have, have a canon, and that is what we call the Word of God. It's the Bible. We have an answer to the question of where did we come from. We call that the creation story, Genesis 1 and 2. We have an answer for why is there evil in the world. That's Genesis chapter 3. But then we have an answer for what does our relationship with God look like. And that's in Genesis chapter 4. And that's where I want to take you this morning. And I want to visit that question a little bit this morning. We're not talking about who or what is God. We have answered that question when we talk about creation and the beginning of history. But Genesis 4 begins to talk to us about what does our relationship with God look like? How are we supposed to be in right relationship? Listen to these words. Genesis chapter 4, and I've put just a portion of that in your bulletin for you this morning. But if I begin reading in verse 3, it says, In the process of time, Cain, now this is one of Adam and Eve's sons, Cain, brought forth an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel, his brother, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Now here's where it gets interesting. So, two offerings are brought. Two sacrifices are made. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, I'll read 6, 7, and 8 in just a second. <clears throat> but Understand the, the foundation of the story that I believe helps to answer the question, what, what does our relationship with God look like? Or what's it supposed to look like? Well, one of the things that, that we are supposed to do 
at least according to our scriptures and our answer, is we are supposed to take that which is the most valuable in our lives and sacrifice it to God. That's what it means to love somebody. Would you agree with that? What it means to love somebody is we sacrifice that which is the most meaningful in our lives. And so we're going to get stories throughout the Bible. Abraham had wanted all of his life a son from God. And God gave him a son by the name of Isaac. And we get the story of God saying, you need to come to the mountain and bring a sacrifice to me. It's not a sacrifice if you don't love it with all your heart. If you are not invested in it with everything that you are. So we get from this story what it is that Cain loves. Cain is a farmer. Can anybody relate to that? Have you ever known a farmer that loved farming so much that you couldn't get him out of the fields? That's the person that would bring unto the Lord the offering from their field. It doesn't say there was anything wrong with the first fruits of Cain's offering. There's nothing wrong with the fact that he gave that which he loved to God. And then we get Abel. And it tells us that he brought of his flocks. And not just of his flocks, but the thing of our flocks that we love the most, especially in that day and age. The fat of the flocks. You see, it doesn't do any good if you just bring the flock to God, if you just bring a sacrifice to God and you just give him the parts that you don't want for it. No, you give him the fat. You give him the the uh, T-bone steak, you give him the filet of that which you love. Those are the things we love from that. The lamb chop. So if it's not the fact that Cain wasn't bringing what he loved, he was bringing what he loved. It was a sacrifice. So... In my mind then, the question becomes, well then how do I know if I bring what I love to God and He's not going to respect it, then what's this story all about? Because I've heard sermons about, well, God wanted the animal, He didn't want the, the grain offering. Well, if that's the truth, then why is it when we get into the book of De uh, Deuteronomy... And Leviticus, why is it that God says, you will bring me a grain offering and you will burn it on the altar? God doesn't hate the grain offering. He does accept it. As a matter of fact, he requires it at some point. So we bring both of these offerings to the tabernacle of the Lord when we begin to worship God in his tabernacle. It can't be. A difference between grain and animals. So that's what's led us to believe that this has to somehow be about the heart. It has to be about the heart. And it's not about whether or not you have brought something that your heart treasures to God. So if it's not about the gift, and if it's not about you bringing something that is very special to you to God, then it's got to be about something. And I think the word that we have to pay attention to is sacrifice. 
This is just my reading of it. Feel free to do more research and come back and and tell me, uh, well, Tim, this is what I think. Sacrifice can have two meanings in Hebrew. And the thing that's difficult about this is, if you were a Hebrew, you knew when somebody was using one definition and not the other. But 3,000 years removed from this story, we don't know. It would be the same as in 500 years, somebody trying to read the English language. And I said, man, I loved that Big Mac. And then after that, I looked at my wife and said, and I love you, dear. Obviously, I'm using the word love to mean something different for my wife than I am a McDonald's Big Mac. Sacrifice. To the Hebrew people meant two things. And they're going to use these interchangeably. And we're going to have to make a decision whether he loves the Big Mac the same way he loves his wife or he means something different when he says love in that way. The first thing sacrifice can mean is transactional. It means I bring something to you and I expect something back from you. So there is the idea in sacrifice. Now let me, let me share with you where that's going to be used. When we come to the tabernacle, we are going to be told you will bring a sacrifice to me, God says. And that sacrifice will be a lamb. And you will kill that lamb, and you will burn it upon the altar. And when you do that, I am going to forgive you. That is a transactional sacrifice, and God is going to require it of his people. But that's not the only kind of sacrifice. The other sacrifice is the sacrifice where you bring it to the altar. It is not consumed. It is not burned. But it is used. And it is a sacrifice that signifies value and worth. So you have to make a decision. What kind of sacrifice, because both of these are used. Both of these are a part of Hebrew culture. Both of these are a part of Old Testament culture. And I will tell you that the culture around the Hebrews used sacrifice in one specific way. They used sacrifice transactionally. All you've got to do is look at the ancient religions. They sacrificed children. Why? Because if we sacrifice our child to you, then you will do something for us. Whether it's you'll quit bad, making bad things happen. We have it all through South America. We've got it all through the Middle Eastern cultures of that day. You will sacrifice those things that are the most meaningful to you, not because it gives value to something, but because somehow it'll let that God know or that person know how badly you want this. Transactional. And so all around 
Israel, all around the Hebrew people. People are sacrificing all of these things. If we go all the way back to the story of Cain and Abel, you've got two ideas that are at war with each other here. When Cain and Abel bring a sacrifice to God of the things that are the most valuable to them, what is it they believe they're doing with God? Well, I think it makes perfect sense based on this story and the way we see God use sacrifice in the rest of Scripture that what Cain understands he's doing as he comes before God is he's giving that thing which he values and loves, his crops, the thing that he toils in the fields for every day, transactionally to God. And God looks at Cain and he says, our relationship is not a transaction. You understand that? Your relationship with God is not a transaction. Our relationship with God is like Abel's relationship with God. Because he brings that which is of value to him, but he's not expecting anything from God. He is giving to God that which is of value to him. Why? Because God is God. Now, look at the way God responds. The Lord says to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you do this right, will you not be accepted? And if you, not, if you do not, then Cain's sin lies at your door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over this. You've got to fix your heart, Cain. Our relationship is not about transactions. I am God. You are the created. Now, here's, here's what this means to me. If somehow you agree with me on this today, and, and feel free to disagree, what we've allowed this to do is bleed over into our lives, just like Cain did. Because Cain couldn't accept the fact that the things that are of value in his life are not the very things that should be bargaining chips for his relationship with others. We, we do this. If you don't think you live like this, then the flower business will go out of business, guys. Because how many times have you bought flowers for your wife because you really messed up. I see Phil. It's like, eh, nah, I don't buy flowers. Well, you do something, Phil, to make up for it when you let your wife down. You've been married too many years not to, brother. But that's the transactional nature. Something that is valued. But look at what we do with that. We buy chocolates or we buy flowers on Valentine's Day or we give a gift. Why? Because it's what that person values. Yeah? 
You see the transactional nature that we get into? Well, maybe God likes steak better than he likes bread. Well, I don't know. If I'm made in God's image when I go to Longhorn Steakhouse, I want both. All right? I'm pretty sure God wants both bread and the meat. Transactional. If that's not the answer, what is? You see, what Cain's going to do... You, you know what happens in this story. If you don't know what happens in this story, let me share it with you real quick. What happens is, Cain's going to get mad. He's going to kill his brother Abel. Because, of course, that's going to solve everything. Different sermon, murder, that, okay. But that's going to solve everything for him. God comes back and he says, now what have you done? You see, the sin was lying at the door of Cain's heart. And it led him to the next sin. He didn't rule over it. He couldn't master in his heart that sacrifice is about valuing the other, not about valuing yourself. Cain doesn't learn it. And listen, God says, because of what you've done, I am banishing you from the land. And Cain's immediate response is, You can't do that because people will kill me. Do you see what we've set in motion? Cain cannot get out of his mind that life is transactional. If you hurt me, I get to hurt you. If you please me, then I will please you. Do you see what that leads us to in our relationships? Now, everything that we do is because we're going to get something from somebody else. Nothing is about sacrifice anymore. Nothing is about just giving who we are because somebody else is of value. So God says, I've got an answer for that. I can take care of the transactional part of this. I'll put a mark on you and anybody that's going to retaliate. Do you see? God's going to put an end every time he can to the transactional nature of our relationships. But this is what happens from a story in which Cain is not understanding the nature of a relationship with God. We have built cultures on something that's called, if you study history, the law of Hammurabi. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you hurt me, I hurt you. If you steal, I cut off your hand. God says, that's not the way it works. Christ is going to come into this world and he's going to say, if somebody hurts you, do good for them. If somebody smacks you, turn your face and let them smack the other cheek. In other words, this isn't just about an eye for an eye. It's not transactional. Here's the point of the story today. If we want our relationship with God to be good, if we want our relationships with each other to be good, we're going to have to move from this idea that relationship is about transaction. What you do for me, what you give to me, I will give in kind back to you. And we will have to move back into an idea of sacrifice 
giving that which we love as that which adds value to the other person. That which is because we just value that relationship and we want you to know that we value that relationship. Brothers and sisters, that would (laughs) go a long way towards solving a whole lot of problems in marriage, in families, in countries. And it is the foundation of our relationship with God. We don't bring offerings to the church because somehow there is a transaction. Jesus turned over the money tables because they had made offering transactional in the temple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help this word this morning to resonate in the hearts of your people. That, Lord, as we live our lives together, as we live our lives in relationship with you, we might do so with an understanding that the things that we give, the things that we are willing to sacrifice in our love for each other and for you, might be given and might be done without an expectation of something in return. These things I pray and we pray in your name. Amen. Please stand. I'd love to leave you at the end of the service with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance upon you. And I pray this for you. God would give you peace. God is good. And all the time. Go in peace. God bless everybody.